unless you're under 20. If you're under 20, then you, uh, you, do, you do a good job taking notes, and then you give the paper to your parents, and they're supposed to trade it in for an ice cream cone, okay? So that's how that works. You do a good job filling in the blanks, and, and uh, your parents might even help you. We're going to Lamentations, or not Lamentations, Ecclesiastes tonight. I was just talking to somebody about the book of Lamentations, but we want to go to Ecclesiastes, Psalms, Proverbs, and Ecclesiastes. So open up your Bible in the middle, you'll find the Psalms, and then just go a little bit to the right. You'll get to Proverbs, and then right after Proverbs, short little book of Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes, we're going to start tonight in chapter 11. And this is just a, a little episode or principle that parallels the sower and the seed from the New Testament. Um, if you were to look in Matthew 13, I think it's about verses 3 through 9, it tells the story of the parable of the sower and the seed. And some, to some that's the parable of the soil, and to others it's the parable of the seed, and uh, there's different things there. But this is an Old Testament parallel of that, which I found quite interesting. The title is Pebble Planting Principles. And as you and I go through life, uh, what we want to do is we want to keep leaving our witness. We want to keep leaving little pebbles of truth along the way and then watch the Lord work with those little pebbles of truth, okay? If you're here tonight and you're not truly saved, I want to encourage you to get saved the Bible way. How many of you have been saved the Bible way and you're glad you got saved? Let me see your hand. Okay, if you're here tonight and you haven't been saved, you want to you wanna get that taken care of. Tonight's message is not specifically a message of salvation, but if we can help you with that, we'd certainly love to do that. Tonight's message is about uh, the assertions, the aspects, and the answers that come with pebble planting, okay? And you'll know what I'm talking about in a little bit as we get going, but let's start reading uh, in chapter 11, I think I'll start with verse number 1. Ecclesiastes chapter 11. I'm going to start in verse number 1, and I'll probably read down to about verse 6 or 7, okay? You with me, class? If you're awake, say amen. All right, good. Let's get going here. Cast thy bread upon the waters, for thou shalt find it after many days. Give a portion to seven, and also to eight, for thou knowest not what evil shall be upon the earth. If the clouds be full of rain, they empty themselves upon the earth, and if the tree fall toward the south or toward the north, in the place where the tree falleth, there it shall be. And now the main part of our text that we want to think about starts in verse 4. He that observeth the wind shall not sow, and he that regardeth the clouds shall not reap. As thou knowest not what is the way of the Spirit, nor how the Bones do grow in the womb of her that is with child, even so thou knowest not the works of God who maketh all. Verse 6, in the morning sow the seed. Now that's a parallel to uh, Psalm 126 and verse 6. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again. That's a reference there, uh, similar kind of a a verse. Verse 6 says, In the morning sow thy seed, and in the evening withhold not thine hand. For thou knowest not whether shall prosper, either this or that, or whether they both shall be alike good. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your love for us. Thank you for the goodness that you have 
displayed in each of our lives. And, and thank you for the individual, uh, the pastor, the missionary, the Sunday school teacher who, who started throwing pebbles in front of us that we might find an interest in your word, that we might find an interest in being saved, that we might find an interest in coming to church. And we pray, Lord, tonight as we look at this uh, example for us to follow that we will be good at uh, leaving pebbles of truth along our highway of life. Lord, only you can work by your Spirit's power through each and every one of us. And Lord, I realize as a preacher that collectively the people that are in this room could touch thousands if we all work together at trying our best to share the gospel with those that we work with, those that we go to school with, and those that are our neighbors. And Father, I just pray you'd encourage us to this end tonight as we look in your word. In Christ's name we pray, amen. All right, the three Roman numerals here, I would encourage you to underline the word assertion, Roman numeral one, three assertions. In other words, we, we, we think we know what God is doing. That's the part of what's behind an assertion here. Three assertions. So underline that word assertions concerning our problem. And our problem is that we don't uh, plant pebbles enough. We don't we give up too easily. We quit too easily. Roman numeral two underlined the word aspects, three aspects concerning God's program. And of course, the idea there is we dare not discount what God is doing with the little seeds we may have planted, with the little pebbles we may have dropped along the way. And then in Roman numeral three, underline the word answers, three answers concerning God's principles. Three answers concerning God's principles. Now, if you'll bear with me, I'm sure you can hear me just fine because we've got a good sound system, but uh, my eyes are getting older, so I have to cheat and look at my notes a little closer. Let me start with this story. I hope you get it. Many years ago, there was a Sunday school teacher who had in one of her classes an extremely disruptive and rebellious young man. The man never seemed to listen to anything she said that she had to say, and despite all her efforts to reach out to him, he finally dropped out of her class and went his way. She never heard from him again and went to her grave, assuming that her ministry towards him had failed. Many years later, that same boy came back to his hometown as a grown and broken man. His life of unrestrained sin had taken its toll on him and had cost him his family, his job, and much else. One day while he was walking through the town, he happened to go into the local cemetery and came across the tombstone of his former Sunday school teacher. He sat down next to her grave and began to remember some of the things that she had talked about so many years ago, and in particular, he remembered his need to receive Christ as his Savior. Right there, kneeling beside her grave, he asked Christ to come into his life and cleanse him from his sin. What seemed to that dear Sunday school teacher a failure was in God's perfect timing a great victory. We may never know when God will cause our pebbles to have their impact. Roman numeral one, we have the three assertions concerning our problem of not planting enough pebbles and not sharing enough pebbles. Letter A, we have the term thou knowest not. 
you'll see in our text, it's mentioned in verse 5 two times, and it's mentioned in verse 6 one time. Letter A, thou knowest not what others think. When you plant pebbles, when you witness, when you shake your finger at a teenager and tell them to behave, you have no idea what they're thinking. When you, when you leave a track in the restroom or in the phone booth, now they don't have phones anymore, so can't say phone booth, but whenever you leave a track, you never know what the recipient is going through. You never know what they're thinking. You may have left a track with a person who's about ready to take his life. You may have left a track with somebody who is going through the, the struggles of cancer. You have no idea. And you need to think about that in the process of witnessing for the Lord Jesus Christ. You're trying to reach them with a gospel pebble, and you have no idea what they're thinking about. You have no idea what their problems are. You have no idea how close they might be to trusting Christ. The second one here, we a lot of times we don't know what others think. Letter B, we don't know what God thinks. Uh... Verse number five, thou knowest not what is in the way of the spirit, nor how the bones do grow in the womb of her that is with child. Look at the last part of verse five. Even so, thou knowest not the works of God. And sometimes we, when we try to witness to other people, we think, oh, they, they'll never get saved. They'll never come to Christ. It's useless to try to win that man or that woman. Well, you don't know what God is doing. And it's foolish for us to assume or to assert uh, that God doesn't know what he's doing and we need to think about, what does God think about this? God loves the little, the little neighbor boy who's a, who's a transient and he's a foster child and he's in his fourth foster home. God knows about that little boy or little girl. You don't. And God knows just how to work in their hearts and work in their lives. And God might use you to drop a pebble in that little boy's life. Uh, tonight we had supper in Aurora with some friends of ours, and there was a little junior high boy with us, and uh, he was engaged a little bit in our conversation, but right before we left, I took the time to tell him a funny story. And he laughed so hard, I thought he was going to fall off his chair. But it was just a little pebble of humor, just a little pebble of fun that I was able to share with him, because I'm hoping someday I can in invite him to church and get him involved in the things around the church. And, and so we don't know what others are thinking, and we certainly don't know what God is thinking regarding that other person. And then thirdly, not only do we, know, do we not know what others are thinking and what God is thinking, but let her see here, <clears throat> we don't know what God is doing. We don't know what God is doing behind the scenes. I think I have shared this story before, but it's, it was such a fun story in my life, I want to share it again. But I was at a uh, Goodwill store in Fergus Falls, Minnesota, and I was looking at their collection of VHS tapes because I like, I like to watch funny, funny stories and funny movies. And I was looking for a, a comic to take home and watch, and, and I bought this little uh, Disney cartoon story of something, I don't know. Uh, anyway, it was supposed to be a comedy. But my point is this. On the outside of that little VHS jacket, was the address of a lady living in Duluth, in Duluth, Minnesota. And uh, I took the video home, I got it for a quarter, I sat down and I plucked it in the machine and I, 
After about five minutes, I said, this isn't even funny. This, this was a waste of 25 cents. This is not a good movie at all. And the Spirit of God said, hey, there's a return address label on that video cassette. I want you to witness to that lady in Duluth because you spent a year in Duluth. You know a little bit about Duluth. I want you to witness to that lady. And I said, Lord, I, you don't want me to witness to her. I don't even know her. She could care less about my life. And I watched the movie a little bit longer, and it was getting worse. It was just, just really, it was, the, the jokes weren't funny, and the, and the plot wasn't any good. And the Lord spoke to me silently, and I looked at the jacket again, and I saw this lady's name and address, Lucy Johnson, I think her name was. And the Spirit of God said, send her a track. Send her a track about your time in the hospital and your time in Duluth. And I thought, Lord, you, I'm just trying to watch a movie here. Lord, why don't you leave me alone? By the third time, I was so convicted that the Lord wanted me to send this total stranger a letter and a track that I said, okay, first thing in the morning, I'll put a track in the mail. I'll send Mrs. Johnson a letter and I'll send her a track and then I will have done my duty and I, I won't be bugged so much. So I got up in the morning and I started my letter. Dear Mrs. Johnson, you don't know me. And I don't know you, but I bought a VHS tape in Fergus Falls, Minnesota. And since I was in Duluth, the Lord told me to send you this. And I hope you're not offended. And I hope you have a nice day. Goodbye. That was all I wrote. I never thought I'd hear back from that lady. Not in my wildest dreams. About a month and a half passed. I get a handwritten letter in the mail. That's about three pages long. I still have it in my files someplace. If I could ever get organized, I'd dig it out. This lady wrote back to me and she said, praise the Lord, there are people still witnessing. Praise the Lord for the track that you sent us. Praise the Lord that you uh, were in Duluth at the same time my son was in the hospital in Duluth. Her son died from exactly the same problem that Lynn had. And she was, her son was in the hospital at exactly the same time my wife was in the hospital. We could have passed in the hallway and I never would have known her. And she closed the letter by saying, just keep doing what you're doing because your letter had a big effect on my life. That, that was a pebble that we just threw out there. Now, that doesn't usually happen, but it did that time, and it motivated me for a good month. It pays to witness when the Spirit of God is telling you to witness. And you'll suffer if the Spirit of God is telling you to witness and you don't. Because the very next day you may not have that opportunity again. So don't be, don't be shy, okay? Listen to this. Spurgeon was once testing the acoustics. Are you guys in the sound room? Are you listening to this? Jonathan, listen up, okay? This is for you. Spurgeon was testing the sound equipment, okay? In a large building where he was about to preach. He had gone into the building in the morning while it was empty stepped up to the platform from which he would be speaking, and he called out in a big, strong voice, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Satisfied that the acoustics were working good and they were adequate, he turned and left the building, having fulfilled his mission. What Spurgeon did not realize is at the time there were two workmen in the building who were laboring far up in the balcony. One of the workers was pierced in his heart by the Holy Spirit when he heard that single sentence from Spurgeon's lips. He turned to his other co-worker and told him he was going to come that night to hear more 
about the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. That night he came to the meeting and left a new man in Christ. We never know what God will do with the pebbles he gives us to toss and where they will end up having their most powerful effect. This reminds me of a, something that happened to us when we were visiting Israel. We went into one of the uh, chapels, and it was a stone chapel, and the auditorium was about this big. But because it was old and it was, and it was stone walls, the acoustics were just phenomenal. And you, you could almost like drop a pin and it would ring through the whole building. And there was nobody around. So I thought, I'm going to see what it would sound like if I yelled. So here's me, and I don't remember if Lynn was with me or, or the missionary was with me, but there was me and one other person. And I thought, well, what am I going to yell? And I thought, ah, it was, I think it was my grandson's birthday, or very close to his birthday. My grandson's name is Joshua. So without even giving it much thought, I yelled just about as loud as I could, Joshua! And I listened to it reverberate off the wall. And it sounded so cool. Problem was... It was like a Catholic church. And all of a sudden, out from this side came one Catholic priest with his robe on and his arms and his, what are you doing? And then out from another corner came another priest, what are you doing? And I didn't realize that those people were in hiding, protecting the building. And uh, I just said, well, I'm sorry. I was just, uh, I appreciated the acoustics and I wanted to see if how it would sound to say Joshua. And it was really a cool sound. I don't know if those priests ever got saved, but that story reminds me of that. Pebble planting, you never know what it will accomplish. Let's look at the aspects. We had the assertions, what others think, what God thinks, and what God does. Now let's look at the aspects concerning God's program. Letter A, God's timing is often overlooked. If you turn to Isaiah 66, Isaiah 60 and verse 22. Isaiah 60 and verse 22. Let me read it to you if you, if you don't want to turn there. I hope you do. Isaiah 60 and verse 22. Listen to this. A little one shall become a thousand, and a small one a strong nation. I, the Lord, will hasten it in his time. It's amazing to me that God's timing works the way it does because his timing and our timing are not always the same. And I, that's why I think it's important every day to ask the Lord to give you good timing. If you're going to leave a track, do it at a good time. If you're going to witness to somebody, do it during a good time because there are times when it's better, we'd be better off just to not say anything. There are times when we probably should not speak up but there are times when we should. And if we understand God's timing and how he's working, and then we can see a lot accomplished by just a little bit if we include God's timing. So God's timing is often overlooked, and let's not do that. Secondly, God's goal. God's goal is often overlooked. In uh, Zechariah, which is the, I think it's the second to the last book in the Old Testament, if you're turning there, Zechariah chapter 8 and verse number 12. For the seed, or the pebble, for the seed shall be prosperous. The vine shall give her fruit, and the ground shall give her increase. 
and the heavens shall give their due, and I will cause the remnant of this people to possess all these things. God's goal is often overlooked. He has a purpose in every track we leave. He has a purpose in every verse we share. He has a purpose in every invitation we make. He has a purpose in every friendship that's established. And let's not overlook God's goal using us in the life of other people with these little pebbles and these little seeds of his truth. So A was God's timing, don't overlook that. B was God's goal, don't overlook that. And C, God's method is often overlooked. God's method is often overlooked. In Isaiah chapter 55, Isaiah 55, verses 8 through 11. Now, if you're going to turn to any of these, this is probably a good one to turn to. Isaiah chapter 55, starting in verse number 8, which most of you know, the Word of God says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain cometh down and the snow from heaven, and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth, and making it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. So God's method cannot be overlooked. When I was newly saved at age 30, I don't know what verse really impressed your heart when you were saved, but the one that really got under my skin was 1 Thessalonians 5.21. Uh, it says, Prove all things and hold fast to that which is good. When my pastor, who was Paul Lobb, who's in glory now, when he gave me that verse... As a high school teacher, I thought about it over and over and over again because high school teachers like to give tests. And here I was being challenged by the preacher to test all things. Now, my preacher was very wise and very smart, and when it came to baptism, he said, well, test it. Look in the Word of God and see what the Word of God said. So I, I tested it, and before long, my wife and I were baptized by immersion in Bass Lake. And uh, my pastor, when, we, when he preached on the tithe, he'd say, well, test it. Uh, just, just try it God's way and see what happens. And when we tried it God's way and saw what happened, we decided we were going to keep tithing. But that little verse, that little pebble, prove all things and hold fast to that which is good, has been so important to me in my life because it taught me to weigh and to test and to balance all the things that God has tried to use in my life. And just one simple pebble, one simple verse. <coughs> Another pebble was that I like to leave is when I make hospital calls. The pastor encouraged me on, I think it was Friday. Help me out, Lynn. Was it Friday we went to see the, the little baby? Mark and, help me out, class. Brittany, Martin, Brit, Mark and Brittany's little baby girl. We went up to the hospital to see her, and uh, we're getting ready to leave the hospital after a quick word of prayer and checking out the little baby to make sure it was really cute, and it is a pretty baby. 
my wife really, my wife said, you know, not all babies are that pretty. That was a pretty baby. I looked at Mark and I thought, how did that happen? But, but anyway, that was a pretty baby. Came time to leave. I, I took out a little track called Intensive Care to Intensive Prayer. And I told Brittany, I said, now, Brittany, this isn't for you, but I want you to leave this someplace for the nurses because the nurses like to read about hospital things. And maybe the nurse will pick it up and read it. I don't know. I have no idea whether the nurses in that department read that track or not. But one thing I have learned over the years is that nurses and doctors and all kinds of people that work in a hospital, a lot of times they have coffee breaks and they need something to read, they need something to look at. And I would think a nurse, if she saw a track that says intensive care to intensive prayer, she just might take a peek at that and see what's going on. It was a little seed that was planted. Will we ever hear from that party? Probably not. When we lived in Park Rapids and we had rummage sales, we used to put gospel tracts in the shirt pockets. I think I told you this story too, so don't be bitter, Pastor. I told tell it twice. A girl came to the rummage sale from, I think she was from Ohio, and she bought one of our shirts. And, and I had inside the shirt pocket, I had put a track. And uh, she took it home, and a month or two passes, and I get this call from this lady from Ohio, and she said, are you Mike Forsberg? I said, yes. Did you write a track called Intensive Care? I said, yes. And she said, well, I want a dozen copies. I'd be happy to buy them from you. I said, well, lady, you don't have to buy them from me. I'll give them to you for free, but tell me something. How did a lady from Ohio get, get a hold of a track from, from me in northern Minnesota? She said, well, I went to a rummage sale and I bought a shirt. And she said, the other night I was laying by my campfire and I was laying on the ground and I looked in the pocket and there was a track. She said, I took the track out and read it and it's the exact same problem my mom is having in the hospital. And she says, I want my friends and relatives to have a copy of your track. A little pebble I didn't know would get from Park Rapids, Minnesota down to Ohio and be entered into the life of a lady that I still haven't met to this day. But to God be the glory because the gospel was presented in a unique and special fashion. Let's not uh, overlook God's timing. Let's not overlook God's goal. And let's not overlook God's method. Roman numeral three. We're almost done. You're still awake, class? Say amen. All right. Kids, are you taking good notes? Say amen. Oh, kind of weak. How many kids want ice cream someday? Say amen. Oh, that was a little louder. Okay. Uh, Roman numeral three. Three answers concerning God's principles. Letter A, we need to trust his results with the pebbles that we drop. I mean, Paul did, and we should as well. In 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse number 12, we read this. 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse number 12. Oops, almost read. 2 Corinthians here. Be patient, we're almost done. 2 Timothy 1 and verse 12. <coughs> Paul writes, For the which cause I, awful, I, off, I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, he says, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Paul 
understood the cause of Christ that was within him. It didn't matter whether Paul was in jail. It didn't matter whether Paul was in the synagogues. It didn't matter where Paul was. He was going to plant some pebbles of truth and he was going to share the gospel. And it shouldn't be any different for you and I. If we really love the Lord, then we should trust him with the little pebbles of truth that we drop off along our journey through life. Trust his results with the pebbles you drop. Secondly, continued faithfulness will always yield his fruit. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse number 2, 1 Corinthians, now the really smart pastors, they write these all out in advance, don't they, Pastor Yoder? The, the, the old timers, we don't do that. We don't have that skill, so we have to, we have to turn pages. But we like the sound of rustling pages. First uh, Corinthians chapter four and verse two. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. Continued faithfulness will yield his fruit. The pastor and I, we need your help. We need your help in leaving tracks. We need your help in knocking on doors. We need your help in showing Christian kindness in the community. We need your help in inviting people. And we need your help in witnessing to others. And without your help and cooperation, we fall flat on our face. I mean, uh, pastors said it, and I agree with them. The more we witness throughout the week, the more God blesses the church. He doesn't always bless directly with the people we touch, but he sends in somebody because we've been faithful at touching the lives of others. And it is required of us that we be found faithful in planting these pebbles of truth wherever we have opportunity. This week we'll probably go to the funeral of one of our friends from up north. And I know that people that are hurting listen better. And I know that people that are hurting want to hear the word of God. They want to hear testimonies of God's goodness in the individual's life. And people are very tender to the gospel during a funeral service. A great opportunity to drop some pebbles of truth as at a funeral service. And we need to be faithful in doing that. And then let her see. Sharing God's word faithfully is the key. Sharing God's pebbles of truth is the key. 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 58. This is another one of those verses that has touched my life in a big way because so often I feel like what I am doing is, is not making an impact. What I am doing is not producing much fruit. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse number 58, we read this. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, planting pebbles of truth, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. We need to continue to share God's word faithfully, and we need to realize that sharing God's word is not in vain. We need to realize that our labor is not in vain. Two stories and I'm done. One I think is kind of a funny story. Uh, a preacher one time wanted to uh, hand out tracks wherever he went. He was kind of a track man. And uh, he got pretty good at dropping tracks in front of hitchhikers. When people were hitchhiking down the road, he could drop a track off. And he, he could throw it out his window while the car was still moving and the track would land on the ground right in front of the hitchhiker. He was driving through some state. This is a true story according to the pastor school I went to, 
he was driving through some state and he saw a sailor on the side of the road with a duffel bag. And when he saw this sailor, he realized that he was late for wedding rehearsal, so he couldn't really stop, but he folded up his little track in the way that he folds it up and he rolled the window down just a little bit. And when he got close to that sailor, he threw the track out the window. And then he looked in his rearview mirror as he drove by. And the track fluttered in the air a little bit and landed on the ground. And the preacher's still looking in the rearview mirror while he's driving away. And he sees the sailor reach down and pick up the track. And then he says, oh, praise the Lord, he got it. And then he notices right before he goes over the crest of the hill that the sailor sat down on his duffel bag and, uh, and read the track. Uh, oh, by the way, I forgot a little part here. Before he picked up the track, he kind of shook his fist at the preacher for not picking him up. He was mad. But then after he realized he couldn't do anything about it, then he picked up the track and he sat on his duffel bag and he read the track. And the preacher goes over the crest of the hill and disappears in the blue, deep blue yonder and does his wedding rehearsal and forgets all about things. Well, it turns out that a dozen or so years later, the same preacher goes to a pastor school in Chicago and he's telling about this experience of handing out tracts. And as he's telling the experience, there's a man in the audience who was in that same part of the country, same time of the year, same road, who happened to be getting out of the service in the Navy. And uh, the guy in the audience said, hey, I think that was me. So he goes up to the preacher after the services and he says, did this happen in this state? And the preacher says, yes. Did it happen on this road? The preacher said, yes. And he says, I just want you to know, I'm the sailor. And I read the track, and I got saved, and today I'm a preacher of the gospel as well. Now, who could put that together but the Lord Jesus Christ? Nobody could put that together like he can. You see, while those things don't happen very often, I think they happen more often than we realize. It's just that the Lord doesn't want us to get big-headed, so we're not going to find out about a lot of them until we get to heaven. Because if we found out that everything we did had a success story, we'd, we'd probably get pretty proud and arrogant and start acting kind of foolish. I think it's amazing what the Lord will do if we will just trust him, be faithful, and keep sharing his word. I'll close with this. Preacher, you're going to like this. This is, this is the best of the three, okay? An outstanding example of pebble planting is in the life of Edward Kimball. He was a faithful Sunday school teacher of the last century. In 1855, he led a young, unpromising boy in his class to Christ. The boy's name was D.L. Moody, who later became one of the greatest evangelists of the 19th century. But that was just the start of a spiritual avalanche which literally covered the globe and continues to be felt even to this day. While Moody was preaching in England, God used him to kindle a fire for evangelism in the heart of a local pastor named F.B. Meyer. Meyer later was preaching on an American college campus when a student by the name of J. Wilbur Chapman responded to his invitation to trust Christ. Chapman went on to become an outstanding evangelist himself. While working for the YMCA, Chapman hired a former professional baseball player by the name of Billy Sunday to lead in evangelistic meetings. Sunday held a revival in Charlotte, North Carolina, where the meetings were so successful, its organizers soon planned another campaign. Sunday, <coughs> excuse me. Sunday was not able to return 
So another evangelist named Mordecai Ham spoke in his place. On the first night of this revival, only one person walked the aisle to give his life to Christ, a tall, gangly teenager whose name was Billy Graham. Who could possibly calculate the number of lives eventually impacted in an avalanche begun by one faithful Sunday school teacher tossing his little pebble many years ago? Certainly Ed Kimball had no idea of the fruitfulness his own seed would ultimately bring forth, and neither do we. Yesterday, well, let's see, today's Sunday. Yesterday morning at the prayer breakfast, I was impressed. We had a men's prayer breakfast at Perkins, and some of you were there. There were, there were 12 and a half men there. He said, well, who's a half a man? Micah, you were the half a man, okay? There was, there was, we, we started out in one table, and then we ran out of room, so we moved to a bigger table, and we filled up that table, so then when our last guest arrived, we had to move to a second table. But anyway, there's 12 and a half men that showed up for a prayer breakfast, and, and you know, somebody had to invite them. Somebody had to make a call. Somebody had to remember that on Saturday morning we were having a prayer breakfast. Uh, by working together, all those texts and all those invitations and all that calling and all that remembering, all those pebbles produced a really nice group of men at prayer breakfast. And, and that's what pebble planting does. We can't give up. The hour is late. Um, the devil knows his, his days are numbered. Uh, but we need to keep busy because the Lord is coming soon. I mean, think of it this way. If, if the Vikings could win the way they won this afternoon, we can pebble plant, okay? How many of you saw that tragedy of the first half, okay? Oh, it was embarrassing. And then the second, they were down 20 to nothing at halftime, and they ended up winning the game by the skin of their teeth, 27 to 24 or something like that. He said, well, what does that have to do with tonight's message? Don't give up, okay? We're in the second half of our lives, a lot of us. And we need to keep planting the gospel truth wherever we go. Be it a tract, be it a phone call, be it an invitation, or just shedding some kindness. Keep planting those pebbles of truth. You never know what kind of things the Lord will do with that. Let's stand and have a word of prayer.